A reading from Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the peace, the God of peace will be with you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic 
welcome to Trinity Cathedral this evening. Uh, I will, of course, start with the good stuff. Dale, can you report on the soup? What is it tonight? Mushroom and rice vegan soup. So please join us for, for dinner afterwards. Uh, this, of course, I, I'm still so new to this, and one of the joys, of course, is that it's a different even song setting every time. And I probably shouldn't pick favorites, but Todd, can I hit the like button on this one? This one's, I've liked all of them, but this is particularly striking to me. Well, thank you very much. And I can hit the like button, and it sort of floats up into ether, right? Um, Coming forward next week, of course, we will not have even song next week is Ash Wednesday, which of course means you have one week to get it all out of your system. Uh, there will be a two, here we'll have um, a Mardi Gras celebration here. Peter, what, do you all have a celebration on Tuesday evening at, at Shaker? Where, what do you all be going to be doing? We do Shrove Tuesday pancakes. You do Shrove Kiwi pancakes. So oh, yeah. figure out the fastest way between the two. You can have both pancakes <laughs> and jambalaya in one night, which I think sounds like a, the best way to do the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, absolutely. And then, of course, next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we join us here at the, at the cathedral uh, at Shaker Heights or any church that is near where you're going to be. We're here. Don't ask me. I don't know the schedule of anything yet. What are we, 7.30 noon? 7.30, noon, and 6 p.m., Peter, what time are your services? Uh, 12, 10, 5.30, and 7 o'clock. Okay, good. So a number of services. Uh, hope you'll uh, be a part of one of them. We welcome the Reverend Peter Foss. Foss or Foss? Foss. Foss. Uh, the rector of, of Christ Church Shaker Heights, who has preached here a number of times, and we're blessed to have you here. We welcome you. Thank you for that uh, warm greeting. It is a pleasure, as always, to be here in this beautiful cathedral, uh, and especially with the magnificent voices of the Trinity Choir. And so, Todd, my uh, thanks to you for inviting me to preach again, and uh, maybe even especially so uh, to be with your new dean, uh, B.J. Owen, uh, and I wish you Godspeed in your new ministry here in this magnificent cathedral uh, and in the Diocese of Ohio. And, uh, I'm already proud to call you a colleague, so thank you, thank you. So this evening we are here to honor George Herbert, priest and poet of the Anglican Church. Herbert was born in 1593, a cousin of the Earl of Pembroke. His mother was a friend of the poet John Doan. George attended Trinity College in Cambridge and became the public orator of the university, responsible for giving speeches in Latin to famous visitors and writing letters of thanks, also in Latin, by the way, to acknowledge gifts of books to the university library. This brought him to the attention of King James I, who granted him an annual allowance and seemed likely to make him an ambassador of the court. However, in 1625, the king died, and George Herbert, who had originally gone to college with the intention of becoming a priest, but had turned his head away from that by the prospect of a career in the court, determined anew to seek holy orders. In 1626, he was ordained, and he became a vicar, and then the rector of the parish of Bemerton and neighboring St. Peter's Fugglestone. <laughs> not far from Salisbury, 
By the way, I would love to be the vicar of a parish in a town named Fugglestone someday, but I guess I'll settle for Van Aken at this point. <laughs> he had served faithfully as a parish priest, diligently visiting his parishioners and bringing them the sacraments when they were ill, and food and clothing when they were in want. He read morning and evening prayer daily in the church, encouraging his parishioners to join him, uh, or if not, ringing the church bell before each service to those who could not come, uh, but at least could offer up prayer at that time. He used to go once a week to Salisbury to hear evening prayer sung there in the cathedral. On one occasion, he was late because he had met a man whose horse had fallen with a very heavy load. And he stopped, he took off his coat, and he helped the man to unload the cart and then to ride it to get the horse back on its feet and then have them be on their way. He was that kind of generous uh, and good-willed soul. Today, however, Herbert is remembered chiefly for his two major writings. The first being his book of poems, titled The Temple, which were published after his death. Several of his poems have been turned into hymns, in particular, Teach Me My God and King, number 592 in the hymnal. Let All the World in Every Corner Sing, number 402 in the hymnal. And the gorgeous, and thank you, thank you, thank you for having us sing this this evening, Come My Way, My Truth, My Life, number 487, which set to the hymn tune, The Call by Ralph Vaughan Williams is a hauntingly beautiful and sublime theological hymn. And then of course, my favorite, no surprise here, number 382, King of Glory, King of Peace, set to the tune General Seminary by David Charles Walker. And if you wanna know why it's my favorite, this should tell you. <laughs> the other book Herbert is renowned for is A Priest in the Temple, also known as A Country Parson, the book that offers practical advice to rural clergy on how to be a good vicar. In it, he advises that, quote, things of ordinary use, such as plows, leaven, or dances, could be made to serve for lights of heavenly truths. I love that. The second book is foundational reading for Anglican and Episcopal clergy, uh, and one which we are very familiar with, although not necessarily always fond of, or at least the impact the country parson has had in setting up expectations of the priesthood, which are, well, let's just say uh, a wee bit unreasonable. <laughs> Herbert was thorough in giving details of what a good country parson should do. For instance, in chapter 13, titled The Parson's Church, he wrote, the church must be swept and kept clean of dust and cobwebs, and at great festivals, be strawed and struck with boughs and perfumed with incense. Thank goodness they didn't have indoor plumbing back then, as you know, unclogging drains would probably have been included in the list of responsibilities of the vicar. And then in chapter 23, titled The Parson's Completeness, he writes, the country parson desires to be all to his parish, and not only a pastor, but also a lawyer and a physician. Again, good thing there was no internet and Wi-Fi back then. 
because you can be sure that being a computer techie would have been another duty heaped on the parson by Herbert. In every detail of parish life, Herbert created a model for what he thought the perfect parson should be. And uh, he also set up the model for an over-functioning and exhausted parson as well. There's a tongue-in-cheek meme. You may have seen it on Facebook. It appears periodically, at least on my feed. It's called The Perfect Pastor, interestingly enough. Let me read you some of it. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. <laughs> I stand before you an imperfect pastor. <laughs> he condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anybody's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight and is also the church janitor. The perfect pastor makes $40 a week. He wears good clothes, drives a new model car, buys and reads good books, and donates $30 a week to the church. <laughs> he is 29 years old and has 40 years of experience. And above all, he or she is handsome and or beautiful. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers and he spends most of his time each week with senior citizens. <laughs> he smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his church. He makes 15 home visits a day and is always in his office available to those who have a need. <laughs> the perfect pastor always has time for church council and all the committees. He never misses the meeting of any church organization and is always out in the community evangelizing the unchurched. The perfect pastor is always available to anyone who needs on demand, but spends most of his time reading and studying while being out in the community forging relationships. Okay, it's funny, but sadly, it's also true and describes a condition called Herbertism a condition by which the laity have unreasonable and unrealistic expectations of their clergy, and that the clergy all too often fall for and try to live into. Such is the degree to which clergy have tried to live up to the standard of the country parson over the centuries that a pastoral care book for clergy was actually published a few years ago. It was titled, if you meet George Herbert on the road, kill him. <laughs> Radically rethinking priestly ministry. But is Herbert at fault here for creating this paradigm? The author of that book, Justin Lewis Anthony, thinks not. The memory of Herbert celebrated by the church is an inaccurate one, he writes and in its inaccuracy is unfair to Herbert himself and all of his successors since in the ordained ministry. At least two factors are at play. Herbert idealized the idea of priesthood in his small rural parish, and like all ideals, it was never one any human being could actually ever live into in its fullness. Like the values of the reign of God we heard in Matthew's Beatitudes a few minutes ago, we strive to do our best achieving them, knowing we will not always succeed, and yes, even at times, fail. Herbert also died very young. He was barely a priest for four years. 
And during his brief tenure, he was that bright, starry-eyed young priest. We've all met them. I think I was one once. BJ probably was one once, who, with his first settled parish, brings a lot of zeal to the job, a lot of energy, which is always refreshing, but it can be naive and unrealistic. Herbert died before his ministry could be, as Louis Anthony states, compromised by mundane bruises and cavals and accommodations that make up everyday life in a community of sinners trying to be saints. In other words, the realities of life change the reality of parish ministry for Herbert. The reality is his premature death lionized him and his writings. He was a hero, a role model, an avatar. And because of that starry-eyed clergy ever since have taken the model of the parish uh, country parson to be literally achievable. And so have the laity. The end result is that his writings have been taken so literally as to distort them and in the process lead to a distorted model of ministry. And it is we, not Herbert, who are to blame. George Herbert is redeemable, and so is this situation. The passage from the letter to the Philippians helps guide us in so doing, and I think offers a more realistic view of what Herbert's life and ministry actually were about. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, Paul writes. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Gentleness, truth-telling, honor, working for justice, these are the qualities that encompass Herbert's life and which he strive for. They are healthy Herbertism, and they should encompass all of our lives, clergy and lay alike, because they are of Jesus. Doing so, I believe, will make the way our clergy lead their lives more realistic and less stressful, and as a result, the life of the entire congregation will be healthier. And if that is the result of healthy Herbertism, then the peace of God will truly be with us all. Amen.
Let us pray. O God, the life of all who live, the light of the faithful, the strength of those who labor, and the repose of the dead, we thank you for the blessings of the day that is past and humbly ask for your protection through the coming night. Bring us in safety to the morning hours through him who died and rose again for us, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion on the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope, that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture in the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Amen. Be present, Spirit of God, within us, your dwelling place and home, that this house may be one where all darkness is penetrated by your light, all troubles calmed by your peace, all evil redeemed by your love, all pain transformed in your suffering, and all dying glorified in your risen life. Let us bless the of God which passes all our understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. In 597.